You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. picked up a key win in their pursuit of the number one seed in the AFC as they beat the Bears 35-13 in Chicago. And now, it's my Buffalo Blues. Welcome, once again, to another episode of the Buffalo Blues. I'm your host, Nick Scheist, and... Today we're looking back at the Bills' win over the Bears in the cold, in a a little bit of snow in Chicago, and I'm going to keep this one a little bit shorter and sweeter than usual as I'm still in recovery mode from Christmas. I hope that anybody who was celebrating a holiday over this past weekend had a good, safe, enjoyable time, and... You know, Victory Sunday was yesterday because the Bills played on Saturday again, but I'm still counting it for today. So it's going to be Victory Monday, at least for me. And I think for Bills Mafia, that's probably fine. But into the game, the Bills uh, were on the road, taking on the Bears. You know, the Bears were 3-11 and headed into this game. The Bills had won five in a row and were sitting at 11-3. and And, you know, I kind of got the game that I more or less expected. Uh, We saw last week that Chicago was able to play hard, play physical, shut down some of the things that the Eagles wanted to do, made that game close, or at least uh, closer than comfort for the Eagles. And, you know, they came out here ready to play, and they scored the opening touchdown of the game here. And I think for a while, it was looking a bit worrisome. But even going into the half, I know, you know, the general consensus what the Bills don't play well early is everybody's panicking, uh, at least among the online chatter that I am privy to. But always panicking, especially early in games when things aren't going great. And when Chicago jumps out to a 7-0 lead, okay, it's a little concerning that they went down the field on the Bills, and they went 64 yards, five minutes, scored, but I think the key to take away from that opening drive is how they did it. You know, they scramble with Fields on the first play, then they try to run the ball, Montgomery, Montgomery, Fields hits a pass, Montgomery again, Uh, Chicago gets brought back with a hold, then Fields goes to Montgomery over the middle, Fields uh, runs for no gain at the six, and then finds Dante Pettis on kind of like a blown coverage, but good play to get uh, that score. Not going to take anything away from Chicago. They did what they wanted to do. But what I saw was that uh, the Bills were doing a great job containing Fields. And they held him overall in this game to seven carries for 11 yards. And somebody asked online, like, what happened? Why didn't Justin Fields run the ball? And the answer is the Bills didn't let him run the ball. And the Bills have great team defensive speed, uh, which is what I said, I was like, sideline to sideline, they're very quick. Uh, 
They play in nickel a lot, so you are not having Fields versus a linebacker as often, and the two linebackers the Bills have on the field are very fast. So you were going to ask Fields to have to make one-on-one plays against guys that are probably like closer to his athletic range. Still not Justin Fields, but um, I think looking at the Bills' history over the last few years, like they play the Ravens a lot, and they always do a good job at containing Lamar Jackson as a runner. And I think that helped prepare them a lot for like how they scouted playing Chicago. And on this first drive, Fields actually did get a couple of runs in technically, but it was so cold and the Bills didn't really give up a ton. Like he didn't gash them. He got seven. I think he got like two on another one. He had another one for no gain. I think he maybe ran two or three times, but he really didn't get uh the kind of chunks that you would see him get against some other teams and he got hit hard early in the game too so I think it just like the speed the the lanes that weren't there just kind of took that off the table for the Bears and I'm pretty sure the Bills were confident that if he doesn't do that to them they're going to win the game and you know Buffalo responded with a touchdown of their own six plays 71 yards uh, they score, Gabe Davis, touchdown, and they and Bass missed the extra point, so they're playing from behind. But then after that, Chicago turns the ball over on downs. And, you know, the Bills' defense really played a fantastic game here. And they gave up the majority. They gave up 10 of the 13 points in the first half. But they turned Chicago over on downs uh, three times. They had an interception. They had a fumble recovery. They forced a three and out one, two, two times, uh, and they ended up with 11 team tackles for loss. So the Bills defense was playing fantastic in this game because it was a game where, you know, the conditions were probably going to dictate that it wasn't going to be the biggest offensive game. And through the first half, when the Bills were losing six to ten at the end of the half, it didn't look like it was going to be a huge offensive game uh, for either team. And... You know, looking at how the Bills uh, got down, you know, they missed the extra point, and then with the ball on uh, the following possession, Allen is intercepted throwing a ball into double coverage, uh, basically at the goal line to McKenzie. And, uh, you know, he misread the defense here. Uh, It was Gordon who kind of like checked down into a blitz look. And at the snap, he recovers and he's, you know, sprinting back to the goal line. And so they just trapped him. Allen thought he had one-on-one going uh, across the field to like the corner of the end zone. Wasn't a great thrown ball. And it allowed Gordon to get back around on it, make the interception. Good play, bad read by Josh. It was a second and 19 from the 28. And I think probably the missed field goal scared the play calling a little bit. So they didn't want to try to get 10 here. They were going for a home run. And they didn't get it, but the Bills defense comes out and forces a punt. They punt, Chicago gets a field goal, and then the Bills drive again. And this is when Bass misses a field goal. So at this point, like, I think the Bills don't want to, like, even risk kicking at all again. But then in the second half, actually, you know what, before I get there, let me rewind it a minute and take it back to the first Bills possession of the game, which they did end up scoring a touchdown on. Uh, and they had the ball for about three minutes on there. But some notes I had. So on this particular drive, uh, Rick Bates 
on a first and ten takes an ineligible man downfield penalty at around midfield and sets the Bills back. And then on a first and ten from the Chicago 33, they get hit with a holding. And these are the kind of penalties that have mounted up in the last couple weeks. And, I mean, I haven't been, like, I only started really tracking games the way I'm tracking them now over the last three weeks. I just wanted to, like, evolve kind of the stuff that I was looking at a little bit. And there are sequences where there are just, like, drive-killing offensive line penalties. And technically, the holding call here falls on Morris. But this ineligible man downfield play is... The Bills get hit with this a lot, and especially last season, it was a huge problem. And you don't want to see these kind of penalties mounting up, but the Bills still managed to score a touchdown on it. So it's like, okay, it's forgivable. You overcome the penalties, but two offensive penalties basically from midfield and in, they give up 15 yards worth of penalties there and could have very easily screwed up the whole drive. And then so you look at the following drive and they get down to a first and 10 at the Chicago 19 and Roger Saffold gets hit with a hold that uh, erases a short Allen gain and sets them back to first and 20 at the Chicago 29 and then the interception happens um, the next play uh, yes two plays later sorry it was first and 20 uh, Knox had a one yard pass and then the uh, interception into double coverage on the following play so again this was they're in the red zone Offensive holding on Saffold, who's had a bad year, and especially in the last three games, I'm looking at like major holding infractions, uh, game after game after game, just just all the way back. Well, I don't want to say all the way; that's a little bit uh, overzealous. But at least since I've been looking, you go to the Jets game, and I see half uh, Saffold got hit with a hold and a false start in that game, and then I look at the uh, Miami game, and I see. Saffold hit with, I think, three holding penalties in a row at that point, but uh, he was giving up so much sack yardage because of it that it didn't end up mattering. But there's a lot of uh, offensive line clunkiness because the Bills are constantly having to rotate who their starting five is up front. And just as I'm looking at it and seeing what I'm seeing over the last couple weeks, I don't know that Saffold is going to be the right guy for the job moving forward. I know a lot of people were saying that, you know, he's having a bad year and I was looking at it like, okay, like, well, why are people saying that? And as I've been kind of like detailing the penalties here, because it's one thing if you get beaten as the offensive lineman, like you're just, you're not doing your job and you're giving up sacks. Like that's a problem. It's another thing too, if you're getting caught with penalties uh, in those situations and killing drives. So, I know that he was a huge free agent addition, and we've actually seen the Bills run game like step up with the running backs in some parts this season and in this game in particular. So it's quite possible that Saffold is a nice piece to have in the running game, but in the passing game, it's not what you want to do. So it's going to be something that they want to address. And I know that Ike Botker just uh, got back from IR as well. So it's possible that you remove Saffold altogether with a healthy Mitch Morse. You put Bakker at the two, and uh, Bates at the two guard positions. You have Morris in the middle, and then you have Brown, who got hit with the holding call in this game as well. It's obviously not an easy job, and the Bills only ended up with, I think, four penalties uh, on the offensive line for 25 yards. So not killer, 
and uh, they ended up having nine as a team though so I, I would really need to look in and see what those other five were but the four on the offensive line it's just like stuff that you need to clean up and you know I think one was a formation or excuse me a procedural penalty with the ineligible man upfield and then the other three were all holding penalties so it's a concern um but Allen only ended up getting sacked once in this game and it was for zero yards so it wasn't uh that kind of killer game in terms of giving up sacks and they really held Chicago more or less in check on the ground as well they didn't give up 100 yards so not something to be um overly concerned with there I don't think but again Chicago's a 3-11 and team so this isn't a game that the Bills were supposed to really face any competition in but going back to kind of like the game flow the Bills get the ball to start the second half and I know that when they kick the field goal um, right at the end of their possession inside a minute to go in the first half people were like oh this is a gutless call you know it's fourth and ten at the 20 they're getting the like I understand if they weren't getting the ball back you don't want to go down 10-9 and then give the ball to Chicago but considering they're getting the ball back trying to go two for one with a field goal there is not a bad call it's not a gutless call it's not any of that so just stop that nonsense um I could understand like in other situations you want them to go for it there on fourth and 10 from the 20 but it was a good spot to kick the field goal Bass just missed it you know, the game would have been tied had he not missed the field goal and the extra point. And so, all things considered, I don't think the Bills really played a bad first half. They only had four possessions. Uh, they should have scored on two of them. Bad interception on another one, and they went three and out on another one. So, some stuff to clean up, and they come out in the second half, and they get to work. You know, first possession of the second half with the ball, eight plays, 86 yards, Singletary, 33-yard touchdown run. Next play, they take over after a fumble. They start at the Chicago 35. Was it four plays, three plays? And Cook hits another 27-yard touchdown run. The defense is alive. They force a three and out after that. They go three and out, force a three and out, get the ball back. They fumble on Davis, picking up a 12-yard gain. He had a first down. And just awareness, like out there in the cold especially, just get down. Like, you needed five yards, you got 12 on the catch, like you don't have to fight for every yard all the time. And that's something actually that Cole Beasley is fantastic at. And he wasn't heavily involved in this game, but he did have a catch that was catch, turn around, jump, get down, control the possession, next play. And it was just like an easy nine yard gain. And those are the kind of plays that are going to be important. And Diggs is actually very good at it as well like he knows how to fight for his yards he knows how to control the ball when he's going to fight for his extra yards this was a play where davis he wasn't like careless with the ball but he had it in one hand and he was like trying to make a move and fight off a defender and just you know it's like they say in uh in mixed martial arts like position over submission so value the control of the football there and prioritize that over trying to fight for yards that you don't need after you already picked up a first down. If you're trying to get the first down, it's a different story, but in a situation where you needed five and you caught it for 12 and you're trying to fight, 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 just like get down and get to the next play. So that fumble was not great, but it happened. The Bills turned them over on downs again after that in five plays. And then the, the bad, the worst of the two Allen interceptions comes out because again, it looked like he didn't see the defender. 
it was a second and seven. Like, they just run the ball on first down, got a small gain. And it's second and seven at their own 17. Like, I don't know that you even want to be throwing here unless you get to third down anyway. The run game is working well. You might as well just run it, but they throw it. Allen doesn't see the linebacker, gets picked off, and Chicago gets a free field goal out of it. So despite the Bills really mostly playing pretty well and holding Chicago's offense down, like it's 21-13, it's a one-score game all of a sudden, and then the Bills punt and they go three and out. And now it's like, uh uh-oh, like, can Chicago actually win this game? This game is much closer than it should be. But Bill's defense again steps up, three and out Chicago again. They lose uh, two yards on the drive, and then the Bills score a touchdown. They get 28-13 with about uh, three minutes left. So at that point, like, the game is over. But Chicago turns it over on downs again. The Bills get the ball back and score. They make it 35-13. So a a lot of that was an onslaught late in the game inside the last eight minutes they scored two touchdowns after a lot of issues like right in the middle and what i'm saying is like i think the bills offense is too good to be putting up as many three and outs as they do is what i'll say uh and you look at the middle of their series here so on their seventh drive they punt and go three and out the next play they fumble on four plays the next possession they go two plays, interception, possession after that, three and out punt again. And that's bookended by two touchdowns on each side. So like start the second half great, finish the second half great. Uh, But in the middle, it's kind of weird. It's like they get into a position where they have the lead and they don't necessarily like know exactly what to do in those situations. And I've seen it this year a couple of times where I've called it moments where you're you're playing with your food like the bills obviously their defense is dominant um they're looking like chicago's not really a threat to them so are they experimenting in these situations where they have potential to maybe iron out some things that they want to work on but they really can't get those reps in practice against a real defense until they get them out on the field so you're looking at like their average starting position on those drives is 33. Well, I'm not going to tell you their average, but 33, 38, 14, 16. They go run to start every drive, uh, which I like to see. But on all of those drives, they only ran the ball once, except for the first one where they ran it twice and then they punted and went three and out. So it's like they run it to start the clock, which I like. And then they get away from the run and on those four possessions it looks like two minutes eight seconds 213 46 and 106 so you have four possessions that combine for just over five minutes when the touchdown drive to start the half was four minutes that's not good you want to have some sustainability in your drives and i think that's where maybe they get into trouble is they're they're quick to throw in situations where they don't have to. And I mean, it was 21-10, so they're up two scores comfortably. I like that they were running the ball on first down. They did get hit with that holding penalty from Spencer Brown uh, that forced the three and out. And then they were driving when Davis fumbled. So it was like things were going okay. Uh, and then the interception happened. So it was just like these kind of lulls in the offense are worrisome to some extent and I want to look back at week 15 as well you look at the first four possessions the first five possessions actually to start the second half against the Dolphins they went three and out then they had five plays and punted due to some penalties uh, offensive line penalties saffold again 
and the uh, next possession, three and out, and then they punt five and out, and then they fumble, and then they finish with a touchdown and a field goal. So, again, like, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown going into the half, and then this kind of, like, weird lull where things just aren't going well. They can't string anything together. Let me look back at the Jets game and see. Uh... So, against the Jets, they come out, they go punt, 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 touchdown. Then to start the second half, they figured some stuff out. Touchdown, field goal, field goal. Then they get safetyed. Then they punt. Then they go three and out and punt again. And then they get the ball back and they kneel. So there's like consecutive series in each of these games where just nothing nothing is working. And it seems like they're struggling to figure that out. So I don't know, again, if this is a situation where they're taking advantage of games where I think they're playing a team that they're better than in the Jets, the Dolphins, and Chicago. I mean, Chicago being the worst of the three and the other two being key division games, I would prefer not to think that they're like messing around in those games. But there is some concern with kind of how that uh, like play calling unfolds. And the Bills lost the time of possession battle in this game despite running the ball and running it well. Uh, you look that Singletary had 106 yards rushing on 12 carries. Cook had 99 on 11. Uh, and they ended up with a total of 30 actual uh, carries, I think. They got 12 from Singletary, 11 from Cook. They had one from Isaiah. And then Josh had six, but three of those were scrambles. So we'll call it 27 27 true runs and that's kind of one of the details that I've been trying to pin down is like how many times do they really run the ball like how many times do they design a run versus how many times they design a pass and Allen happens to bail that pass out with a scramble and uh, in the second half he had one scramble for 11 yards and it was on the first drive that they scored a touchdown on and that was it but he didn't get sacked um, and they ended up having 20 carries as a team including, well, excuse me, not including the scramble. So 20 design runs in the second half. And it looks like I counted eight in the first half, but for some reason, I don't know what's going on with the data, but figure 27, 28, pretty close. Uh, 150-ish rush yards, 149 in the second half. Uh, and they ran 35 plays in the second half. They had twice as many possessions as they did in the first half, but that's because they're turning the ball over so quickly. Not turning it over, but um, chewing up possessions so quickly in in the middle range there. And, you know, when they scored the final touchdown, like inside the last, what, minute or so of the game, they didn't even need this touchdown. Um, there was a minute left. It was a fourth and three. They could kick the field goal, the game's over, but they decide to go for it. So that's, again, why I'm thinking, like, this game's out of reach. They're using it maybe as a little bit of practice to see, like, what can we do? What kind of fourth and three plays do we have? What do we have in the red zone here? We don't trust Bass to kick it based on what's happened, so maybe let's not go that route. Um, and, you know, Allen had a solid day. It was 15 of 26, so not terrible. Um he ended up with, uh, let's see, 173 passing yards, but total offense of 214, including runs and scrambles. He ran for a touchdown. He threw two touchdowns, had the bad pick, but overall not bad. 
and the play calling split was close to 50-50. It's the cl- probably the closest I've seen to 50-50 since uh, last year. I don't remember which game it was, but there was one that was almost 50-50 exactly. And so what you saw here, I think, is how good the Bills' defense is against a team that is not anywhere near their level. They're fantastic, and they look like one of the best defenses in the league, and you see that speed. You're also seeing in this game that the constant churn that the Bills have had on the offensive line is an issue for them, but it was less of an issue in this game than either of the prior two. Um, You see that both Cook and Singletary can kind of carve out roles in this offense, and for a team that basically completely shut down the Philadelphia run game last week, uh, you know, the Bills ran right over Chicago. Um, They had 252, is that right? That's 254 team rushing yards. I didn't count the Naheem Hines one. He gave them two extra, so I was just looking at the primary ball carriers. I threw Isaiah in there for some reason, but Hines and McKenzie only had one touch each, and it wasn't for all that much. But, uh, yeah, Singletary and Cook combined for 23 carries and 205 yards. So that's the kind of run game you want to see late in the season for the Bills. Allen only had three actual design runs and for five yards. Like, all his yards came off of scrambles. And, again, that's kind of what I want to see for the most part is him taking advantage of pass plays that aren't there and using his legs and then designing a couple of runs in key situations for him rather than trying to spam him out there running, trying to spam him out there scrambling. Um, So I really liked the balance overall in the play calling. It just, it was a little funky there in some moments and the decisions on the interceptions weren't good. But overall, like it's hard to think that this was a a bad game from the Bills. Like Like I said, I didn't even think they really played that poorly in the first half. It was just limited possessions. The game should have been tied and the fact that they were down just like is panic inducing because they shouldn't be trailing to the Bears at halftime. But when you don't play your best football and it's December and it's cold and shitty outside, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, the game got so out of hand by the end of it that Nathan Peterman, the Bills legend, comes into the game on I think it was Chicago's final possession and he comes out goes five plays 25 yards and throws a pick uh, from midfield to end the game and I mean how sweet is that that life is full circle like that that Nate Peterman who was drafted to be the Bills quarterback and was absolutely terrible has somehow managed to stay in the league long enough to give the Bills uh, the AFC East for the third year in a row. And with the Miami loss, like it wasn't even in question, but Miami lost on Sunday anyway. So the Bills winning clinched it. But Nate Peterman, thanks for the memories, buddy. Really loved it. And I'm just going to go over some team stats here because... The Bills, you know, doubled Chicago up in first downs. They were 6 of 11 in third down efficiency, even under the kind of oppression of the conditions. They only ran 58 total plays, but 426 yards of offense, 7.3 yards per play. 
172 technically passing. Um, pretty solid. Only the one sack given up, and there was no uh, yardage loss. So, you know, not the end of the world, but a couple of holding penalties in there. And then nine penalties for 72, 72 yards as a team. So I'm not seeing the defensive penalties specifically, but I'm just looking at offensive efficiency for the most part. Uh, and the 8.2 yards per carry by <clears throat> the Bills is really what I'm looking at. They ran the ball 31 times. They ran it more than Chicago. But I think you look at the other side of the coin, like the Bills ran it 31 times for 254 yards, and Chicago ran it 20 t- 29 times for 80 yards. So the Bills averaged 8.2, Chicago averaged 2.8, and the Bills were 3 of 4 in the red zone. Also very solid. It was just like the turnovers kept the game close. Uh, missed field goal, like kept them behind. And then as soon as they got the lead and it was 21-10, like, even though they were punting and stuff, like, the game was over. They're up 11. The defense is playing well. So it very much could have been a situation where, hey, we're in control. We're going to try to, you know, maybe get something jump-started in the offense here when it hasn't been working uh, so great through the first half where we had limited possessions. And it says a lot that the Bills can come out and play a game that for them was like kind of a mediocre type of game in bad conditions and still score 35 points and essentially railroad a team in Chicago that gave the number one team in the NFC like a, like a dogfight. Like Philly was in trouble in that game for a significant portion of the game. And like good teams do, they found how to win. But then the Bills come to town, they play the Bears and the Bears gave the Bills that kind of game for the first half, but in the second half, uh, it was Bills, all Bills. Um, you know, the Bills scored, what, 29 points? They outscored Chicago 29-3 to three in the second half. So, in terms of gauging, like, where the Bills are, like, you know, Philly had to scrap and claw and fight to find a way to win that game, and, you know, the Bills just had to, like, get their shit together and, and play well, and once they did, uh, it wasn't close. So that's a, it's a good problem to have. I, you know, I'm always looking forward. I'm always trying to evaluate how the team is going to play against the highest level of competition, not the worst. And so heading into a road game where the Bills are going to be playing the defending AFC champions uh, on Monday Night Football, I needed to see like how this team is going to match up in key spots and how they're going to be ready to go like because going into Chicago in those conditions like that was totally a spot for a letdown game and especially having just picked up like a very emotional big win over Miami it was totally a spot where the Bills could have like clunked and you saw it with Philly like they went in there you know the Bears are bad like they didn't take them seriously and they almost lost so it was it was a trap game kind of spot but the Bills managed to persevere pull through I loved it you know Singletary is almost at 800 yards this year which I think is a career high for him but I would have to double check um but he's done it on only 170 carries let me get you the math on that really quick because I've always been a Devin Singletary fan and I honestly I don't think he's going to be there next season just because it's his fifth year and I don't think they're going to re-sign him and with the way Cook is playing you're probably not going to see Singletary at uh, market value. So he's averaging 4.6 per carry, got five touchdowns, like really a solid season for Singletary overall. I'm going to dig into his number as well. I'm here just because uh, I want to. 
And let's see, his 20... So let's go back last year. He had 188 carries, so he's almost there. He had 870 last year. So he could break that this year. He's 18 carries shy and 80 yards shy, but he's still averaging 4.6. He had seven touchdowns last year. Year before that, 4.4, 687 on the year, had 156 carries. Year before that, in his rookie season, uh, had 5.1 per carry, but he's putting up more touchdowns this season, and uh, receiving-wise, he's on pace to uh, pass his total receptions from last season. He's already beaten the yardage. His yards per reception is much better, and uh, that's... You know, that's good things. I don't know what else to say. I love Devin Singletary. I wish he could get to 1,000 yards on the season, but the Bills' offense isn't necessarily predicated around that. But uh, I want to take a look. Before I get out of here, I'm going to look at one last thing, and it's total rushing offense because the Bills overall in rushing are eighth, and in touchdowns, they're 11th. And in yards per carry, guess what? They're first. Well, they're tied for first with Baltimore, but the Bills, uh, 5.3 yards per carry on the ground is the best in football. Their yards per game is eighth. Uh, Their 22 fumbles is a lot, but that also includes uh, Josh Allen. And I think, I don't know if it's just rushing fumbles. It's just total fumbles. So this is like after the catch and everything like that as well. And when you look at expected points contributed, um, the Bills are 10th. So the Bills basically have a top 10 rushing attack across the board. And when you look at their average, they're 14th in uh, total attempts. So that's why their yards per carry is so good. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy with the Bills rushing offense. And you just want to see it come alive at the right time of year. And this bad weather kind of football, it's probably going to be crappy in Cincinnati as well, you would have to think. You know, it's not going to be good weather, I wouldn't say, in Cincinnati. I don't see how that's possible. But looking at that game, it looks like it's going to be cold, but not as cold. So we should get the right kind of game. I think Cincinnati's won seven in a row. The Bills have won six in a row. So you really legitimately have the two best teams in the AFC right now. You've got the defending AFC champions against... A team in the Bills that wants to be the defending AFC champions and the, the Super Bowl champions. So, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. And right now, the Bengals are the man. They know what it takes to beat Kansas City. They've held it down against Kansas City. They beat them and went to the Super Bowl last year. So, in my eyes, until proven otherwise, the Bengals are the best team in the AFC. And that's not to knock the Bills. But the Bills have to do it against this team. Like, the Bills have figured out how to beat Kansas City in the regular season. They've done it the past two years. They realistically should have beaten Kansas City in the playoffs last year. So, it just seems like, looking forward, looking at, like, are the Bills a Super Bowl-caliber team? Are they going to be capable of winning a Super Bowl? Sooner or later, they're going to play the Bengals. And it's looking like these are the two best teams in the AFC. And if the Bills go into Cincinnati and they handle the Bengals, even if they beat them, I think that's a good sign. But if they can dominate the Bengals, that's even a better sign. That would give them wins over the defending AFC champions and the leaders in the AFC North. It would give them wins over the Chiefs, who are the AFC West leaders. It would give them a win over Tennessee, who at least was the division leader in the AFC South 
at the time. So it would definitely let you know that the Bills are at the top of the food chain, plus they have wins over the Bengals, wins over the Dolphins and the Jets. So they've beaten basically all the good teams except for the Chargers, who they haven't played. But they've beaten all their other AFC uh, contemporaries right now. So that would definitely clear up the picture of uh, expectations heading into the postseason. And also, if the Bills beat the Bengals, they they lock up the number one spot, I think, because they have the tiebreak over the Chiefs. They may still have to they may still have to win out depending on what happens with the Chiefs, but I think they well, they for sure would put the Bengals out of the number one seed conversation with the win. Uh, the Bengals, I think, would they would still be behind the Chiefs in terms of record, but they would tie the Bills and have the head-to-head advantage. So there's gonna be a lot of that stuff going on, jockeying for a position, but I don't really care about any of that. I just want the Bills playing their best football come postseason, and I'm confident that they can go on the road anywhere in the AFC and win. I would, I've said it before and I'll say it again, I would love the game to be at home for the Bills fans, but winning road games is something that makes you very uh, tough as a playoff team. So, you know, I just I just want the Bills focused, playing good football, running the ball well, playing defense. They're doing those things. And now they get, uh, I will say, their stiffest test of the season. It's a game that I really wanted to see last season. It was the game I circled on the calendar this season for this very reason. Because last year they didn't get to play, and I would have loved to see that game, especially because... Cincinnati was able to go to the Super Bowl I really wanted to see the Bills play them and see what happened when those two teams matched up so now I get my wish Um, it's Monday night so it's gonna be all eyes on this game can't wait but yeah that's it little abridged show we got under 40 minutes Uh, that's really all I gotta say I'm gonna put up the written version with some of the data stuff but other than that Another victory Sunday and Monday. Uh, Good holiday. And take care. Go Bills. Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help. So if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way too. This show is an extension of thescheist.com, and you can contact me at info at thescheist.com or at scheistpodcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills.